Welcome to the Beautiful Souls Podcast with your host, myself, Danielle Cadwell. I'm an Olympian author, speaker, and coach, and I'm here to dive deeper into all things mindset, manifestation, mission, and yes, some meditation. In 2013, I was an unfit, concussed, and massively self-conscious synchronized swimmer when an opportunity arrived that was well beyond my wildest dreams to begin training for the next Olympic Games. I was terrified. However, I decided to take the biggest leap of my life. I went all in, moving from Canada to Australia and dedicating my life to my sport. On this journey, I made a vow to myself. If I could do it, if I could really make my wildest dreams come true, I would spend the rest of my life sharing what I had learned to help others do the same. So beautiful souls, this podcast is where I fulfill my promise. We'll talk about everything from the energetics of manifestation and the power of self-worth to mindset cultivation and how to step up and into your soul mission. You can think of this time together as kind of like a soul spa, where together we will wash away your fears, massage you with some truth and some love, and spruce you up on the insides with some spirituality. So, are you ready to be rejuvenated from the inside out? Let's dive in. Hello, 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 beautiful souls. Welcome back to the podcast. And if you have been called to listen to this today, I truly thank you and honor you for tuning in to my journey. And one of my most important values is authenticity. And um, in this podcast, I want always want to share things that uplift and inspire you and, you know, show you what is possible for your life. But I also really intend to be really authentic. Um, and I feel outside of, you know, my calls and my programs um, that this podcast is really one of the places that I get to do that the most. Um, and I feel the most free to do that. And I've actually sat down to record this podcast before and I wasn't able to get there because it was it wasn't it was it was intimidating me I had a lot of anxiety and today is the day and we are here and I wanted to share my body love journey and story um because it's time um to put out there to the world as authentically and honestly and I just want to share as well that um just share some trigger warnings if you are somebody that has had um disordered eating or struggled with your your weight your shape your size your mental health wanting to stay here on this planet and stay alive um I'm just going to be talking about some of those things um and so if you don't feel like you're ready to hear that I suggest for you to just put this away and come back at a time maybe when you are ready if you are um and I've had some things that have happened um, in my life recently that have really kind of, I feel like catapulted me into this. Um, And this whole body love thing. And I have been somebody that struggled. I use that term, past tense. Struggled with my self-love in relation to legitimately my body for, I'm 29, I would say 20, 23, 24 years of my life. Um, and I've really been on a journey the past few years to heal that before I decide to bring little humans into the world. Um, because one of the things I feel really, really passionate about is not passing this down and to really raise little humans in a way that allows me to give them their perspective and be the embodiment of body love. Um, 
So, where does it all begin? <laughs> I, um, if you guys don't know my full story, I, like I've talked about my Olympic thing and stuff in the very first episode, but I wanted to give you guys just my body love perspective. And, you know, I couldn't say a time when it started. Um, I, you know, as a kid, just like every other little kid, I was kind of the, um, you know, like you, you little kids walk around with their bellies out. They don't give a frick. They just like, they don't have any way of judging themselves and their appearance, you know? And, you know, my intention in sharing all of this with you guys is to show you what is possible. Um, to share a bit of my journey and to inspire you as well and to change because, um, I know how this honestly epidemic of body hatred has, absolutely grip holded the hearts and minds and lives of women and men and humans across the world. And, you know, the reason why I'm so passionate about it, as you guys will hear me share in this place, is because if you are hating on your body 90% of the day, you're taking up all of that mental space and not allowing your brain to allow you to think or dream of the possibilities of what your life could be, the solutions you could come up with, the things that you could do, the peace that you could find, the healing that you could move through. When you are spent spending all of your time focused on how much you dislike or want to change or diet or change whatever your body, you're literally like consuming yourself and taking away so much possibility and so much infinite opportunity of what you can create and become in this world. And I truly believe that there's so many humans out there that have so much to offer to the world, but their consumption of how they look or you know what size that they need to be or what food they need to eat is filling them up so much that they're not allowing their true brilliance to shine in the world. And I know that that has been my... Um, you know, um, what's it called? Like, like it's held me back in the past and I don't, I want us to live in a world where it doesn't hold us back. And, you know, I've, I've never wanted to be the body love person. Um, you know, just speaking about that, I, I think that, you know, myself and my story is so much more than that. I'm passionate about so much more things as you guys would know in the sense of manifestation and mindset and spirituality and like the possibility of our lives and like all, there's so much more, but body love is such an integral part, um, that I think is foundational to every single human being. Because like I said, wherever you go, your body goes with you. You can't run from it, right? We can try and run from our past. We can try and run from relationships. We can try and run from career. We can try and run from so many things, but you literally can't run away from your body because everywhere you go, it goes with you. And also I think the body is like the portal to so much transformational healing as well when we allow love and kindness within it. And I'm going to give you guys some different, really different perspectives today um, on, you know, how to create that for yourself. Um, And I think I probably have some controversial opinions. Um, And so I'm going to share that. But my journey, (laughs) like I said, liaising, liaisoning back. I I can't fully remember when the body hatred stuff started, Um, you know, like, I feel into like around eight or nine, I started to be a lot more aware of it because before that I was kind of like, I've, I've always been tall. I'm five foot nine. Um, you know, my dad is six foot one. Um, and I've been the tallest. I have two sisters and I'm the tallest of my sisters and I'm the youngest. 
Um, and so I've always been like a tall girl. Um, I identify as a girl, as a woman. And, um, I really started to notice, I guess that I was bigger than other people around that age. You know, like I was in grade two and I was sharing shoes with my mom. My mom's five foot two. I'm five foot nine. My mom is tiny. Um, and I'm not, and I do not have my mom's body type in any way, shape, or form. She's hourglass. She has little chicken legs. She's big breasts. She's very short. And I'm very opposite to that. And, um, my first consciousness of my kind of struggle, I guess, in my mind is around eight or nine. And when I look back at photos, I can see kind of the discomfort that I had in myself. And it kind of goes hand in hand with my body love and also my eating habits. Um, and so, you know, around that time, more so that time, I felt myself really leaning into food as comfort. Food as comfort for loneliness, food as comfort for, um, you know, confusion, boredom, like just kind of the seeking of eating when now with, you know, all the work that I've done, really seeing that was actually a very emotional thing to do. It wasn't, I was never under, you know, it's never because I was like, I went without, I have two beautiful loving parents. Um, but there was parts of me that definitely was seeking food as a comfort. And we can do that. You know, in my book, I, I call these vices and, and we have these things that we go to, to fill the voids that we're feeling within ourselves. For some people, it is food. For some people, it is lack of food, right? If you're more in the anorexic part some people it's social media some people it's relationships some people it's gaming or gambling or porn or sex or drugs we have these things that we use to try and fill those gaps and those voids within us and for me that was food and for a long time even until like only a few years ago I started to realize why that was because I was like well I you know I always would say well I was just bored I was just bored and I would eat but really it was so much more than that. Um, and you know, we can reach for these things, um, when we feel like our needs aren't met in a certain way. And it doesn't mean that they weren't met. It's just our perception of that. So, you know, one of the things as a child, I grew up as like the youngest of five children, but my closest sister is 14 years older than me. So she is, um, was like a teenager when I was growing up and my parents were older when I was growing up. Um, my mom was 43 when she had me and, um, I always felt like I was kind of like an old soul born into this little body that never understood the world. You know, I remember questioning why the world was the way it was and, and why we had to kind of follow the, all these rules at like 10, 11 years old. I just like didn't get it. I like didn't get life. I was like, there's got to be more than this. And I take that as kind of that old soul. And, you know, whether it be the loneliness maybe that I felt as, you know, not necessarily having that siblingness around and also having like such a big age and generational and gap from my parents, like not feeling that, um, uh, that I use food. I use food to comfort myself. And I, I guess I was in denial until, you know, my late twenties, can't even believe that I'm in my late 20s. It's so bizarre um, that um, I was a binge eater. And I just thought that I'd binge eat because I was bored. But it is so much deeper than that. Binge eating is never about food. It is never about food. And in my case, it was really about filling that gap, that void. And I felt 
you know, as especially as a teenager, and I think so many teenagers feel this, right? It's a confusing time. You're growing up, there's like emotions, you're like going into becoming a human, you're leaving your childhood innocence, your brain is developing, you're surrounded by social pressures. I felt like deep sadness. I think in the way that I was questioning why the world was the way it was. Um, and um, maybe a bit of loneliness, maybe a lack of confusion as to who I was, why, you know, why am I the way that I am? And then also like a deep hatred of my body. And it kind of cycled, right? It becomes this catch 22. You hate your body. So then you binge out of not knowing how to process those emotions. And then your body obviously changes because you're binging. Um, and so you, you get into this cycle, right? And I want you guys to know that it's not about weight, shape, or size, right? But if, like, I had the tendencies, I was, like, when I was a teenager, I was more overweight, um, but it wasn't about the weight. It was about, like, clearly I was struggling with emotional tendencies of binge eating. Like, I would, like... Um, I would have a lot of like time alone. Um, you know, my parents were kind of in this place when I was growing up where they kind of wanted to retire. Like they, my mom and dad became parents at like 21. And then they, so my brother was 21 when I was, my oldest brother was 21 when I was born. Um, and so by the time that I was born, they had been parenting for 21 years, which is like a long time. And then they basically started again. Right. Um, and so, you know, when I was, you know, started to like eight, nine, 10, my parents kind of started like traveling and doing kind of the things that they didn't get the chance to do in their twenties because they were raising four children. Um, so they would leave me a lot with my siblings, which honestly I thank them because it was the biggest blessing because it's made me a really independent person. I was never really homesick. Um, but there's also polarity in that. You know, I talk about this a lot in my programs. We have to understand the polarity. The upside of my parents leaving a lot was it's made me a really independent person um, that has like has this craving to travel the world and, and really feel, you know, I can fend for myself and it's been the biggest blessing. But also then, and this is pointing no fingers at anyone, but just the observation of what I was feeling is just this feeling of kind of like abandonment, you know, like this feeling of, you know, my parents were kind of like over parenting, you know what I mean? Um, and that gave me this feeling of, uh, of abandon. I had a lot of time with my siblings. My siblings are beautiful. I love them. My niece, I have a niece who's five years younger than me. Um, and just processing all those emotions. And so I would, you know, when I would be home by myself, I would remember like my mom never really had unhealthy food, but I would just like whatever was there, whether it be corn pops, I would just like eat corn pops and corn pops and corn pops, um, chocolate chips, like from, you know, like when you'd bake, um, uh, like I'd make these like weird peanut butter smoothies. Um, you know, I'd put milk and like peanut butter and sugar in them and just, but I wouldn't have one. I would have like three, um, and just like not even the sense of feeling full and, you know, really in hindsight knew it wasn't, it was a problem because I would hide it from people, right? I would never do that around people. It would always be in secret. Um, and I felt so much shame around it as well because it's like this addiction cycle, you know, people go through this, whether you're addicted to porn or drugs or whatever it's like the you're searching for your next high right your next high is the food or the taste of the food or what you're going to eat next um and then you're in it and you're distracting and you're consuming and then on the other side you kind of feel the down you feel shit that you did it you want to like beat yourself up then you know I'd look in the mirror and I would cry and um I spent 
like it breaks my heart like I think of I can't I don't know my earliest memory but maybe like 13 to oh in my 20s like early 20s where I would literally just stand in front of the mirror and look at myself naked and just cry and heave and cry because what I saw and this is the saddest part right it doesn't matter what it was that it was at but what I saw I was so disgusted by and I was so heartbroken. I used to wish, you know, I grew up Catholic. I was like God at the time. When now I'd say more universe. I would be like, why did you give me this disgusting body? You know, I felt so, you know, I've never really had big breasts. Um, a small blue person, which, you know, woo, embracing it now. Um, and I would like, I would hate that. And my tummy and just the way that my body shape was, like I didn't really have hips. I'm kind of tall, but then I was like, felt like chubby and overweight. And what I saw, I was just like disgusted by. And, you know, I was bigger. Of course you get into the cycle, you binge eat, you, you know, like it affects your body. Right. And so I was bigger than my other friends. Um, and I was always like, you know, if we're ever, um, <laughs> me and my, my niece still joke about this. Um, like I was like a food table girl, right? I'd be going to all these, like, you know, I had a big family. So we go to, you know, you want to go to like family parties and stuff. And there's just like a food table and like my massive introvertness would come out and I would just like stand by the food table because the food table like gave me comfort because it like kind of protected me because I didn't have to talk to people. Cause I was like, I am actually a really big introvert in big groups like that. Um, and I was coming into myself, um, Um, and you know, I would always be eyeing like food and, and, um, you know, finishing, like I just always needed more. And I was like, never satisfied. It would even get into these places. And if you've ever been in the binge eating places, like you don't even feel your fullness anymore because you're so addicted to the cycle of eating that you actually don't feel full. And then you stop trusting your fullness because you're not listening to your body. And so then you don't really know like when you're not in a binge, how to listen to your body because it doesn't really tell you when you're full anymore. You really lose that muscle of intuition. And all the time, simultaneously, you know, especially in my teenage years, I was a synchronized swimmer. Like I was training, you know, so then I would have this excuse of like, I was, um, not excuse, but I, I was an athlete, right? I would train a lot, like, you know, four, four, five, you know, sometimes six days a week. And that was like with school. And I was always an active kid. And, um, you know, I'd, before I like got all consumed by synchro, I did other sports, Um, and so, you know, I just kind of like use that, but I was always the big girl, always the big girl on the team, you know, and I would be in photos and it's so funny. Of course, my soul chose synchronized swimming as a sport, right? Because I was so uncomfortable in my body. And then what fucking sport do I choose? Sport where you have to have tiny bathing suits. Like, come on, Danielle. But of course, of course I chose that. Um, And I would get, like, we'd have pictures, you know, with our synchro teams. Um, Now it's called artistic swimming. I still am in the habit of calling it synchro. And I would feel, like, ashamed when I saw the pictures. I'd feel disgusted by myself when I saw those pictures. And, you know, a big part of of synchro, even more so now with iPads and stuff, is, like, uh, video feedback. And I, I would feel, like, revolted when I saw myself in the video. I never wanted to see myself in videos because it, I just hated it so much and I would avoid myself um and I got into this like really just bad cycle (laughs) um 
of just binge and hate and, um, you know, cry and, you know, even got to the point in a combination with my mental state at the time and just kind of questioning life and, you know, why why I hate I just hated my body so much it was like why God did you give me this body you know I was at a Catholic school so it's like I'd ask why did you give me this disgusting body how like horrible you know it's so sad to say now um sorry I'm like crying because I'm like it makes me sad thinking about how I spoke to myself um because it's just so cruel (laughs) so I've had a really interesting journey because, you know, when I was, um, I actually retired from Synchro when I was 18, uh, I say 18, yeah, or 17, 18, and I was in grade 12. And then I, I quit this sport that I loved. And I thought that was the end for me. I was like, that's the highest I'll ever go. Um, and I stopped, um, you know, training all the time. I stopped doing this sport that I loved. And I went into my first year university. And also at the time, I like, I went to a really kind of, I went to a Catholic school growing up and we were always in this space of, um, like everyone was like really high achievers. And it was like, if you didn't go to a nice university, then like you basically were a failure, which I totally disagree with. And is, which has made me also so passionate about the work that I do now, you know, especially in the clarity code, definitely. Um, because I don't agree with that at all, but I, I wasn't smart enough to get into the, the main university in my, in my city, uh, UBC. And, um, I didn't have good enough grades. So I got into this like kind of little college called Corpus Christi college that kind of fed into, um, it fed into the bigger university. So I went to this UBC, uh, sorry, this Corpus Christi college, which is a really, really tiny college. Like it's like basically like a high school, like there's like 30 people in a class, 20, 30 people in a class. And so I had so much shame. I felt shame that I was, um, in this, you know, college that I didn't like, I had just left my sport. Um, and I, you know, I was like, felt ashamed about that and just kind of like confused of like, who was I now? Um, and I didn't really like what I was doing in in uni either. (laughs) Um, I was just doing basic general arts and stuff and I was learning all this stuff and I was like, why the fuck do I need to know any of this? Why am I even in university? Like I've always kind of been like that. And, um, in this time they got my binging probably got to its worst in the sense that I wasn't exercising and I was binging um and I remember it was this one day specifically after um you know maybe six months of not swimming and I was my second semester at uni and I was going I went to the baptism for my um nephew um and I was his godmother And I remember seeing the pictures taken of um, myself and I saw them and I just cried and cried and cried because I was so disgusted at myself. Um, You know, I wasn't fitting my clothes anymore. Um, You know, I was binging. I wasn't like exercising as much as I I used to. And, And for me, exercising is a very integral part of you know myself. And I also have had to heal my relationship with exercise, which I will share. But um. I was just at this, it was probably one of my lowest emotional points. Um, but I always, those frustrations always lead to inspirations and those breakdowns lead to breakthroughs. 
Um, and it was a gift in hindsight because it made me start to be like, okay, I want to do something about this. Um, I was probably 200 pounds at that point, maybe just under 200 pounds. Um, not quite hitting that um, number. And uh, I felt so ashamed. Um, I remember emailing like personal trainers and I was like, I need to get back on a diet and all this stuff. And this is kind of when the dieting thing all started. Um, So I went and hired a personal trainer. I didn't tell anyone. I actually told this one friend at work. But other than that, I hired it by myself because I was working at the same time as going to university. It was like a big investment, you know, like if you're earning, I was a lifeguard. So I earned like kind of good money, $16 an hour at the time. And I was paying for a personal trainer, which was like $60 an hour. Um, and so I was telling her and, and the good thing about what I learned from that is that I learned, I didn't really have any idea of what it was like to eat healthy. Like I wasn't really taught that. Um, and also to backtrack a little bit, I, um, my mom, I grew up with my mom obviously. And, um, she's always had kind of body stuff. Um, and she kind of always made comments and she would always, my mom always comments even still, I try and get her to stop now. Um, she comments on people's weight if she's like, oh, they've gained five pounds, they've gained 10 pounds. Oh, they're looking quite big. Like, so I kind of grew up with that commentary and she was always like really watching her weight and um, she never really dieted. My mom's always been kind of very active, but just always that that was kind of always at the forefront um and she would always kind of which I in hindsight probably you know I wasn't eating the best so she was just trying to do her best and help me eat a little bit better but it really just made me feel this kind of shame for my mom as well and so I didn't tell anyone that I was doing this personal trainer I was about 18 at the time um and I remember I ended up losing about like 16 pounds and I was like so proud of myself like so incredibly proud of myself I was like counting calories at the time and I was just starting to feel a bit more confident in my body um and more like myself um and then um this is kind of the the negative thing that happened from that is I learned about counting calories and personally now you know that was 11 years later like I do not believe in counting calories um because I think first of all um I'll tell you guys about what more of so what I do now um but I don't believe in counting calories at all because I think it at least especially for me it led me into a very restrictive very obsessive um fear-based mindset around food food was fear because food was quantified right so it's like every bite that you take you think about the number that it is but basically we're living in a holographic illusion right so if you believe that that number is that number then it is that number (laughs) do you know what I mean that's a very woo perspective so um uh, so yeah, that, that taught me about counted calories. And the, the thing about that is then instead of the binge thing, I would get the dopamine hit of, Oh, well now I know what it feels like to lose a bit of weight and it feels good. And I get compliments from people. So then I would go into this binge diet cycle. Um, and then the following year I got introduced to this, like, um, it's basically like a shake, br- um, nutrition, not uh, thing it's called isogenics i actually still use isogenics but <laughs> because it's an incredible product incredible brand but i was introduced to like cleansing and fasting and i remember i did this 30-day cleanse um and i lost 18 pounds i had gained i had gained weight within the year i lost 18 pounds of course because you would gain up and down up and down and i was getting all these compliments from people and i started to feel really good and how it, the the plan works which is basically you have two like shakes a day so morning and evening or whatever 
and you have one meal, then you have these like little snacks. Um, and that led me into this space of, oh, well now I know how to lose weight, but then I would really abuse it because I was having shakes. I don't think there's anything wrong with a protein shake. I just don't know if you should be, I don't believe now that you should be having them like it, like with such fear around, it's all about the energy around it. Um, and so I'd have these shakes and I would like, then I would like lose weight and gain weight, lose weight and gain weight, lose weight and gain weight. And I just was in this fucking cycle. But every time I would kind of get a little bit smaller, the benefit of this, all of this that I'm taking is I learned a lot more about health and like what my body needed. I learned more at the time that I was lactose intolerant, um, which is very good thing to know because it just, dairy does not sit well in my system at all. Um, so I went off dairy and I just started to learn how to eat healthier, which was a benefit because I do love eating like healthy. Um, and then, (laughs) um, this is a crazy time. The following year I went to live in, uh, Copenhagen, um, for student exchange. And this was, this is where, you know, like we, and I still talk about this with my clients now, not necessarily in this sense, but I was trying, kept trying to put a bandaid on top, right. And not get to the root. The bandaid was a diet, the cleanse, the fast, the water thing, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's a bandaid, the bandaid, the bandaid, I'm going to put the bandaid on. And so (laughs) I didn't go down to the root of why am I feeling this way? And why do I feel like I need to reach for food emotionally to be able to feel better? So I went to Copenhagen um, on a university exchange, took out a student line of credit so I could pay for it. And um, I got there. And again, I was was running away from myself. I was like, when I get to Copenhagen, my life is going to be better. I was, you know, doing the university. I wasn't excited about life. I was doing this degree that I didn't really like. I was like, what the fuck is the point of my life? I'm just going to go and travel. So I went to Copenhagen and I... um, and then I was thrust into Danish winter. If you guys have ever lived in Denmark or if you've lived in like higher up on the world in wintertime, the sun would come up at, it would be dark until 8.30 and then um, the sun would be up from 8.30 till 3-ish and then it would go down. And so about 3.30 every day, it would be dark. And I didn't know anybody. <laughs> I was in this new country. Um, and I was doing like a few classes and I didn't know what to do with myself. So I had all these emotions. I was afraid of sitting with myself. So I'd watch my freaking Netflix. I think Netflix had just come out then. I'd watch Netflix and eat chocolate bars <laughs> because I was running away from my feelings and my fears that I was feeling. The benefit of that this time, right? I really want to, you guys to understand the upsides and the downsides. Everything has been a blessing. I'm not blaming anything. This is journey has deep, confusing, beautiful journey has led me to where I am. The benefit of this journey is when I was living in Copenhagen, I had to pay for, um, you know, obviously I had to pay for all the food and everything myself before that I was, I was living at home and going to university. Um, and so, you know, you know, when you live at home, like you can buy your own food, but you kind of just try and use the food that's there. So I was buying all of my own food and everything. And I realized, first of all, that meat was really expensive. (laughs) You know, you're trying to like eat the cheapest thing ever. Um, and so was cheese. I still ate cheese, but I was off the rest of dairy. Um, and I met some beautiful friends that started, um, that, that were vegetarian and vegan. And the cool thing was we were all kind of poor together. And what we would do is we would each like bring like whatever we had at our house and we'd come together and we'd make a dinner. Um, and the, 
and, and so like someday we'd be like someone's like i have a can of beans i have an eggplant i have a tomato <laughs> i have like coconut milk and you just like all bring it together and we'd like make something the cool thing is that like this finally like showed me how to cook and got me excited about cooking and taught me how to cook like from a you know non-meat perspective um and i realized that i really liked it and i was like oh this whole like no meat thing is like really cool for me for my body type and so it kind of opened my whole world to that. But still, in, when I'd go home, when I'd be by myself, and I was late at night, I would binge. And I would have, and I really want you guys to understand, it's not about the food and it's not about the weight. It's about how you feel and the energy that you're in when you're doing the thing. Because there would even be times where I'd make myself a bowl of broccoli and I'd feel guilty as fuck eating the broccoli. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um it's about the emotions that we feel when we're doing the thing. I had so much guilt and shame. It was like guilt, shame, binge, you know, um, I, I never was a purger and it was never bulimic. I just couldn't, I've never been able to make myself throw up even, you know, years ago when I was hungover. And you know, when you try to make yourself throw up to get the alcohol up, haven't ever been able to do that. Right. So, um, I've never been able to purge, which I think is a blessing because I probably would have been bulimic if, if that wasn't the case. Um, and I was in Copenhagen and, and I decided to make myself this goal when I was there because I was like, okay, cool. Again, sitting in the mirror, crying, hating myself. Okay. What are you going to do about it? Danielle, um, is I was like, I'm going to do a half marathon. <laughs> I'm going to do a half marathon when I'm here. It's going to keep me fit when I'm here. Okay. Um, so I was training for half marathon, but again, I was just focusing on the bandaid on the top thing. Okay. Maybe if I do the exercise, then I'll lose the weight. Right. It was always about losing the weight and getting to this, like this wherever, like this never ending spot. Um, it was never about dealing with the deeper emotion of it. And so I did the half marathon, which was a great mental mindset experience. Um, and I have nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I just want you guys to understand it's like, where are you trying to to band-aid something in your life where you're not going to the root where you're not going to the root sometimes we think that changing the job changing the boyfriend changing our outfits changing the way that we clean our house or do something or changing our hair that's going to fix it but ultimately you're always running away from yourself and when can you start facing yourself I was always running from myself I was a busy addict I was always trying to be busy um, and I'm giving you guys this perspective of like, uh, I guess the shadow side of everything. I want you guys to also know that I had so many beautiful times and I'm very grateful and I've had so many beautiful friends and it wasn't that all of this time was horrible. I'm just sharing from this perspective to really get you guys to understand this, this one part of my life and show you and inspire you how to make it change because I have been through the freaking ringer <laughs> with this. I put myself through it as a deep soul lesson that I've come here to learn. And so, um, I, then that summer I, um, went and I, I traveled around Europe, um, with some of my friends. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed, which was really interesting now in hindsight is I was traveling around Europe with my friends and, you know, we were, you know, I was, I was 20, we were drinking, we were going out, we were partying, um, and, uh, like you, we were eating all, like every types of food that you basically could have there. Um, and one of the funny things is I noticed that I was losing weight in that period. And I was like, huh. But, you know, one of the cool things was I was in the joy of life. I was in the joy of life. And I was surrounded by my friends for like two months, which was a beautiful experience. 
and we were like eating together, eating out of love. I was like shown a lot more about like healthy eating habits and all that stuff. I wasn't alone. Um, and I was really in the joy of life. And of course we were walking a lot, but like, you know, I was drinking a lot <laughs> then. So it was, I, that was something that it really was really interesting to me because I didn't try and do that, but I did notice I'm not, didn't weigh myself. I've not been a big weigher of myself. Um, so this is my complicated life, my complicated, beautiful life. Um, so I went to Europe and then I came back, um, I was back in Vancouver, Canada. Um, and this is right before kind of my next journey happened. Um, I got my concussion, um, which led me into having to drop out of university at that time, which led me into depression because, um, my biggest fear was myself and my stillness. And when I was concussed, all you're supposed to do is literally be in a dark room and be with yourself. Like biggest fear for anyone who's been running from themselves. Right. And then if you guys have listened to episode one, or you know a bit about my story, what ended up happening is one of my friends had a message from the assistant national team coach of the Australian synchronized swimming team asking her if she'd be interested in coming to Australia and trying out for the team um, in the hopes of getting to the next Olympic Games. This was 2013 at the time. I was so excited for her. I was like, you go fucking do it. She was Australian Canadian, um, supporting her on, cheering on. And then eventually she looks at me and she goes, Danielle, you could do this too. And so now you see my context of all of this weight stuff and all the ups and downs and all the body self-loathing. So now if, you know, to give you the deep context, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? No one would ever want me on their team. First of all, I've never been the best athlete. And then the second of all, I'm concussed. Third of all, look at me. I'm not a professional athlete. I was so scared of people judging me. I was so scared of people thinking that I was too fat. I was petrified of that. And I sat with it. Right? I have a lot of clients that come to me talking about fear of judgment. I sat with it. And I go, this is never going to happen again, Daniel. This will never, ever, ever happen again. You're not going to get an opportunity like this twice. Would you rather try and fail? Or do you always wonder what if? And then there's a third option of like, what if you actually make it? And so even though I was so scared of what everyone would think, and even, you know, then I wouldn't say that I was overweight, but I was definitely not the uh, ideal synchronized swimmer, <laughs> the body type, which is very, it's like a ballerina. They, they ideally are very slim, very lean, like no body fat, right? That was not me. It's never really ever been me, <laughs> except when I got to the Olympics. Um, and so now with context, you realize how it was like, that was fucking terrifying for me. But I was like, I'd rather live with that fear than always wonder what if. So I went all in. Then that led me into my Olympic journey and led me coming to Australia. And um, it led me to, you know, I was training six days a week, five, six days a week at the time. So obviously I ended up getting like thinner. Um, but the, again, up until, you know, the past five years, um, I didn't deal with what was underneath. And I ended up getting to my ideal body shape and size. I look in the mirror and there was still things that I wanted to change because that's the thing. If you don't come from the body love place, you're always going to be running. I was like, even then I was like, oh, well, I could be thinner, right? I could be this more. I could have bigger boobs. I could have skinnier thighs. I could have like whatever. <sighs> but I ended up being in this 
ideal dream body that I had always dreamed of. Never thought I was going to get much less. I was also like getting better and made it on the team. And then I was going to the freaking Olympic Games. And the funny thing about when I was in Canada and then moving to Australia is that in Canada, we do mostly pounds, even though it is a metric system, but everyone understands pounds. And when I came to Australia, it was all kilos. And so it was really interesting because I like kind of got to disassociate like what I was before into who I was now. And one of the things that we had to do as athletes is we got our, it's called skin folds biggest fear right you basically um it's from an athletic perspective right you'd go and you get weighed and they track your weight and they track your basically your body fat they literally pinch you with this thing and check out your body fat um and you and it, it's very challenging and they do they are very sensitive about it because it is a really challenging topic and in in the sport of synchronized swimming there's a lot of eating disorders and there's a lot of really bad body stuff that goes on um and so I had to face all of that. <laughs> and when I got to the Olympic Games, it was really fascinating. Um, I had this feeling. I was like, I'm just going to, I like, I, I just believed that I was going to be in like this, in the body shape that I needed to be in. And when I was at, like, got to the games, it's, I think it was like the 31st of August or something to when I competed, I like lost two kilos, um, which maybe is like four, five pounds. Um, I was 62 kilos and by the time I competed and like I was training, but like at the time when I was an athlete, guys, <laughs> this is what, again, it was a bandaid. I was eating a lot because I was exercising a lot to be fair. And I, we could just consume so much. Like, so when you're exercising eight hours a day, you, you really do just got like, you're always hungry. Um, and, and so that's another thing that like didn't let me trust my body hunger singles, signals, si signals. Yeah. And so by the time I competed at the Olympics, I was 60 kilos, which was like the lightest I've ever been in my life. Um, and it was like, I would look in the mirror and this is the thing, guys, this is why I'm so passionate about this now. I looked in the mirror and I actually really loved myself then. There were still things that I was like, oh, this could improve. But I was like, damn, you look good, girl. You look good. <laughs> It was very, very skinny looking back. And even like looking back to it, it was like it was such an interesting thing. I was like very uncomfortable because I was so bony. Like I've always been quite, I have very thick bones. Um, um, but like I, it, I would be uncomfortable sitting in the seat on a hard seat for too long because my bones would hit the bottom of the chair, like and my, my spine bone. You know, when you see really skinny people are little kids and their spine sticks out my spine would hit the back and it was like very uncomfortable, which I noticed, which was very interesting because I've been on so many spectrums, right? Think like what five years earlier, I had just like hit my heaviest and I was in my deepest self-loathing and I like, and then five years later, I was like at the Olympics in this lightest form. Like it was just insane. Like I, I literally can't believe that this is my life that I'm speaking about. Um, and yeah, it was crazy. And then I felt amazing because I was like, I was in my ideal body. You get like compliments. But even then, like my, my partner at the time, people were kind of like telling me to eat because they were like quite skinny. Uh, but I thought that I looked amazing. And in my mind, I was like, cool, I've made it. I'm just going to stay here now. My body is just going to stay at this point. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. And I even remember flying back to Australia at the time. And I was like, cool, I'm just going to keep my Olympic body. I think I had abs then for the first time in my life. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to keep my Olympic body. And I was given all this Olympic clothing too, right? Which was at the time, like, um, it was actually big on me because I, I had gotten so like thin and fit. Um, and so 
I would wear the Olympic clothing, you know, just to train and to go and do speaking and stuff. And I would feel the clothing getting tighter and tighter on me. Because of course, I went from training six to eight hours a day, six days a week to not doing anything. And that's when my exercise addiction began. <laughs> and I know that this this is a lot and this may be heavy for some of you guys, but I then became addicted to exercising because I was trying to stay in the same body type that I was at the Olympics. But the thing is a normal person doesn't exercise three to four hours a day, Danielle. I didn't know that at the time. All I had known was for the past few years was exercising six to eight hours a day. So I had like literally we had stopped swimming for a few months and that's what I went back to doing. I kind of just need to exercise at least three hours a day which isn't healthy if you're not training for anything, right? And there was a mindset. I was so scared. I was scared of eating food. I was scared of gaining weight. And when my body did change, I would like feel so ashamed, even though back then I still, I looked amazing. <laughs> but it's again, not about the weight, shape or size. It was about the feeling. I have been in so many different body shapes in my life in the past, not even 30 years, right? And it's not about the body fat or the body shape or the body weight so the feeling I felt ashamed in that body and and the one of the hard things that I had from synchro is I would go and compete and I would lose all this weight and I'd get skinny again and then I'd stop competing and then I would gain all this weight and I'd go and compete and then I'd lose all this weight and I got on this really unhealthy cycle it was like not meaningful I kind of just happened from training a lot but also some of my other teammates didn't go through that as much of course there's going to be fitness that goes up and down but I would gain a lot of weight not a lot but you know compared to being an athlete and keep in mind we're in a sport that like I was in a sport that it is about what you look like it absolutely is about what you look like so imagine having all these body like fears and worries and on top of that you're legitimately being judged like you know like people would would say that you're like behind your back that you're fat like I've heard that at competitions or like oh that's a fat team right and the people that a skinny team are usually the ones that you know are like not eating enough or their coaches weigh them and tell them to drop kilos you know in sync it's a very the the that's one thing i really hope to help change is the body image mindset can be really negative you know sometimes athletes would drink broth and not really eat food like chicken broth and vegetable broth and stuff because they had to like lose weight to be in a shirt and shape, shape or size but then the thing that we know is like your body does need nutrients <laughs> You know, um, to, especially if you're competing at that level, if you're training at that level, your body does need some sustenance, right? And so I was in this environment and my body weight was going up and down and up and down. And then I was about to retire in 2018. And then I was asked to be the mixed duet, um, which is male and female, you know, synchronized swimmer. And I was, you know, n I was not in my um, performance body at that time. And I re the, literally the first thing that I said to my coach, which breaks my heart is, fuck I'm gonna need to get skinny again that's the first thing that kind of came out of my mouth like I was honored it's an incredible honor to be able to do that but I was like I'm gonna need to get skinny I'm not skinny enough to do that it makes me so sad you know and the thing is and I've, I've shared this with you know um you know women that have been in my programs the thing is that I've been at the Olympics and world championships standing beside 
you know, like the perfect body types. If you were to give someone like this is what the perfect synchro body type is, they were they were it. These people that literally the Russian team were winning Olympic medals. They're the best of the best in the world. They're professional athletes. They're paid athletes in Russia. They're, they're celebrities there. They would look in the mirror and they'd still call themselves fat. And that was one of those moments where I was just like, the fuck? You think you're fat? Then, right, you go, you think you're fat? Then what am I? But it's, then it's not about that, right? It's about the mindset around it all. And when you look at yourself in the mirror that much, you get this dis, um, dysmorphia, this body dysmorphia. And I majorly had body dysmorphia as well. And so when I ended up retiring from sport in 2019, and you know, I was probably not as thin as I should have been, to be completely honest, as the mixed duet in 2019, I'm sure some people probably called me fat behind my back. Um, I did everything that I could to get to get lighter. Um, but there's only so much that you can do because it also is an energetic and mental thing. And I was also like beating myself up, but I actually had that point, 2018, 2017, 2018, 2019, I started to do the emotional work below it all. And I knew what was happening with my body is I was starting to get exhausted because I had, remember I had been an over exerciser and sometimes an under eater, so my body was so tired of that for doing that for years that it started like feeling it. I just knew I know what it's like to push myself. But in the last year, I was like, I just can't push. Like I'm literally exhausted. And, you know, um, I believe that I had a level of like chronic fatigue. My body was really, really, really fighting. And so even though there was parts of me that did want to go to the 2020 Olympics, parts of me wonder if I would have even been able to do it because my body was given up. It was, it felt like it was giving up at the time. And so I knew when I retired in 2019 that I needed to dive into loving my body. I needed to dive into self-love even, even deeper. And I was talking about mindset and beliefs and going after your dreams, you know, starting my programs. And I went to live in Bali with Luca. And of course, what happened when I stopped training and I was worried about gaining weight, I gained weight, of course, right? That was what I was focusing on from a law of attraction perspective. And so in the past couple of years, I've worked on my body image stuff a lot. And it was partially intertwined with health. My health was kind of, it was not good for a while. Um, my hair was falling out. My skin was really bad. Um, like I was having like consistent, I had a UTI for about a year. Like, you know, so like something was up in my body. I did, you know, and I did so much. <laughs> I did juice fast. I did water fast. I did kidney cleanses, colon cleanses. I did medical medium. I went to the naturopath. I took all these weird balneys, herbs, like all of this stuff. And finally, when I got back to Canada, I felt like my health was like in a better place. And, um, and in the past couple of years, I've really, really been like, okay, girl, let's get this on track. One of my biggest motivations for doing all this work has been that I'm going to become a mother someday. And I don't want to raise my daughter being afraid to get in the bikini. I don't want to raise my child making her think that she needs to lose weight. I don't want to raise my child in that belief system. And so I actually started working with um, a coach um, in 2021 um, all around manifesting weight loss because I still wanted to lose weight. Um, and the beautiful thing from that 
um, after doing so much of my own work as well, was that I actually did a lot of the emotional work with her that I hadn't done. The like, why do I feel this way around food? Why do I feel like I need to lean to food? You know, why do I feel afraid of food? Because I also had disordered eating for a while. Like I literally felt afraid to eat three meals a day. Eating three meals a day would give me anxiety. But then what would happen is if I didn't eat, you know, like, you know, if you're like not eating, like you get starving, right? <laughs> what this would happen. And then I would be so starving that I'd probably like, overeat. And so what was the beautiful thing about working with her was that I actually started to listen to my body. I started to listen to my hunger signals. I started to listen to what it needed, what it didn't want, how to actually feel around food, how to feel around my body, how to embody this version of myself that I know that I am. And it was really, really healing process for me. And in the past few months, you know, we're in 2022 right now very much this last six months plus I've really been you know diving into okay how can I to be completely honest there are still parts of me that like wanted to lose weight um and I've been diving into okay well how can I love my body how can I just love it as it is and I have this really controversial belief system (laughs) I believe um because I believe that it's actually okay to want to change your body. I do. I personally do believe that because there's things that I like. Like I like going at my hair done. I've been really loving the past like year getting my nails done. I love, um, like I've gotten my eyebrows tattooed recently because I had funny, it like mismatched eyebrows. And I think that it's okay to want to change your body, but you need to listen to this. Please, please, please listen to this very clearly. You have to come from a place of love. You cannot shame yourself into change. You cannot shame yourself into change. And this is what happens when people go on this journey, especially women. This is why diets don't fucking work. You have to love yourself. So, you know, there's this one part of that. I love the whole body, love, body positivity realm. Um, But I also like, I love, I love being healthy. Like I don't eat meat. Um, I don't, I don't um, have dairy um, because that's what really feels good in my body. That's how I eat right now. I don't eat eggs. Some could call me vegan. I have a bit of salmon now and then. Um, but that's what feels good to my body. I don't think that that's a way that you have to, anyone has to do. And I don't judge anyone for any other choices that you make. I actually have like a blood type, which eating that way is supposed to be really like work really well for that blood type. And it feels really good in my body. Um, but I don't think that everyone needs to do that. But I also got to a place, um, because I had rested so much, you know, after I, um, retired from sport that I was like, okay, I'm ready to be fit again. Cause being fit and exercising is like a really big part of me. Like I, I love it, but doing it in a healthy way is something that is important to me. Cause I was an, I was an athlete. I went to the freaking Olympics, you know, like I f- really, really love moving my body. And I, it's honestly like it's 50% moving my body, 50% for my mental health. Um, And so I got to this point where I was like, okay, like I want to be fit again. And I think that that's okay. And I think that sometimes the body positivity movement, I don't know, I I, I could be wrong and I could totally get hate for this, but like, I think that sometimes they don't speak about that. Like, I think that it's okay to want to change some things, but this is where it's the fine edge. that is so important. You have to come from a space of love. 
It's okay if you want to change your hair color or make yourself shorter or if you want to like get some more muscle in your arms or, you know, but it like, it needs to come from a place of abundance and not restriction. I come from a place of love and not scarcity, but so many people do it from a space of scarcity. I don't count calories at all anymore. I don't even really believe in calories, honestly. (laughs) Um, That's from a whole energetic quantum physics perspective because yeah if we name it and we then that's what we believe um and I you know what's made me realize that I've come so far recently actually I was like so proud of myself um (laughs) like uh maybe six weeks eight weeks whatever it was I had COVID um back in April and um the thing that blew my mind the most is when I used to get sick, I would get anxious because they couldn't exercise and I would have major anxiety about what I would eat because I literally felt like, oh, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to gain weight because I'm not exercising. And I didn't trust myself to even be at home because I was like, I'm going to binge. This was <clears throat> a while ago like, that I felt that way, but I, that was ingrained in me. And from all the work that I did with my, my coach and myself, and I've done, oh, I've done so, I've done ceremonies around body love. I've done hypno- so many hypnosis around body love. I've had coaches around body love. I've done energy healing around body love. I've done a lot of body love work. And I realized that a whole time that I was like, I was just eating what I needed. I had COVID. I would eat. So I, I, I don't even remember what I ate, but I had no, I had no desire to binge because I had given myself, I had knew that I could hold myself in what I was going through. And I knew that I had other ways to emotionally deal with what I felt. And that was huge. And it made me realize even more that binging has nothing to do with food. It has everything to do with being able to hold yourself and what you're going through because binging is an escapism technique. And how can I hold myself and what I'm going through? And I just ate like a normal person, you know, in, in the normal way that I would eat, probably ate like a bit less because, you know, I wasn't moving. I was like lying down all day. So I wasn't hungry as much. And I like almost, I was like, I think I was like crying to Luca one day about how proud I was of how far that I've come. And, um, all of this has really been burgeoning to the top recently because I have recently come back to Perth, Australia, where I was an athlete. I was here for like five and a half years. I was like the skinniest version of myself here. Um, and I've come back and I'm obviously a different weight. I don't know what weight I am because I don't believe in weighing myself personally. Um, and I had a lot of emotions and triggers coming up around that I was like scared of what people were going to think I was scared of people that were going to think that I was gaining weight scared that my synchro community was going to think that I'm fat da, 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 all these things <sighs> and then I started to just go f- head first into these fears and I was like fuck it you know what I'm just going to own it I'm just going to own myself I'm just going to love myself I'm just going to witness myself and a practice that I started doing a few months ago is something that I had vo- avoided for years And I was finally at this point where I was like, I just need to do this now. I'm ready. Is mirror work. Naked mirror work. I started doing this a few months ago where I would just sit in front of this mirror. I'd light a candle, sometimes turn on my red light. And I put on a timer and I'd just look at myself. Most of the time I like had stripped off my clothes. Sometimes I was wearing underwear um, and I would just look at myself and I would not look at myself in hatred, but I'd look at myself in love. And the first 
day, a couple days were really hard. I like was like waiting for that timer to finish. And then after that, I felt so freaking liberated. Like literally day three. It was the most liberating experience. It was so empowering. And it, it, it inspired this in me. I was like, why have this, has it taken me so long to do this? Thinking of how far that I've come that I spent years of looking in the mirror and hating myself. And then I spent time looking in the mirror and loving myself. And I look in the mirror and just love what I am now fully love what I am now you know what ended up happening like literally within a few days I ended up feeling more confident I walked past a mirror and reflected I'm like damn I'd see photos of myself and I was like oh look good this one time I like <clears throat> walked into the um bathroom you know what some bathrooms just have a really bad light and you're like oh god <laughs> and instead of criticizing myself I was like oh that's just a really bad light and I was like oh look good past me never would have done that never 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 and so this really inspired me. And I was like, why don't more women do this or know this? First of all, because it's scary as fuck, personally, to just sit there and look at yourself. And I think, secondly, we don't have the community to do that together. And have the kind of like, you know, um, container to do that. And so for myself and for every woman out there, I have created something that I'm so excited about. It flew through me and is flowing out into the world. And it is called devotion. And it is a 33-day guided mirror work journey. Where, because this is what I was thinking. I was like, why isn't like, I was like, I would love someone to guide me through this. And that's what I was I was like thinking about and I would love someone to guide me through this I'd like love to be held in this container and someone to guide me through this and um then I was channeled through me to create devotion it is called devotion because it's a devotional practice with our body a devotional practice of loving what we do see and again I believe that it is okay to want to change some things it's okay if you want to get more fit if it's okay if you want to change your hair color it's okay if you want to wear lashes or makeup or fucking whatever but you have to do that change from a place of loving yourself like hey i love myself and i want to shift something up i love myself and i want to go to the gym i love myself and i want to go for a swim i want to move my body i love myself and i want to rest today and so what devotion is is this 33 day journey where each day you will get a guided audio from me which is no longer than 11 minutes long, where you sit down, eyes open, and I will guide you through this experience of loving on what you see. After so many years of you hating what you see in the mirror, within a few days, you will love yourself. And I know that this is going to be the most potent, powerful practice for women out there that need this. Because I promise you within a week when you sit down and look in that mirror you're gonna feel excited I ended up feeling excited I was like excited to do it and the, the importance of this work too like I said before because so many of us spend so much of our life consumed with body hatred 
it literally ripples into every area of your life. Your relationship life will improve. Your sex life will improve. Your career life will improve. Your friendship life will improve. Your business life will improve. Because if you love yourself and what you see, that frequency amplifies into every area of your life. And it's okay if you want to make changes from your body, but you have to come from a foundational core, deep core of loving yourself. And maybe you will find in the loving of yourself that when you truly love yourself, you're like, you know what? I'm totally good as I am. Or you might be like, you know what? I do want to like shave my legs today, (laughs) right? And so this process and this little program is going to be in a community where we're going to have an opening and closing ceremony, a Q&A and support in between. For this round, we're going to be starting on the 28th of June, which is the new moon in Cancer, which I like didn't like I wanted it to be on a new moon but for it to be in cancer it's just like the most beautiful synchronistic thing ever because cancer is like really that nourishing mother and how can we come back to nourishing ourselves oh I'm so excited for this journey so excited it's kind of coming from the concept of you know when people do like eight week fitness challenge right we're doing that though for body love it's going to be so much better than a fitness challenge Because that vibrational frequency, like I said, is going to spread and omit into every area of your life. This is for you if you've hated on your body. If you have looked in your body and wanted to critique yourself. If you spent your whole life running towards this never-ending finish line. If you're ready to deeply love what you see, if you're ready for the, your, if you're ready to stop letting your body hold you back from your relationship, your business, and your life. This has nothing to do with any whatever weight, shape, or size. We're not, this isn't about any, it doesn't matter. It's just about loving it what you see as you are. You have to accept what you see as you are. And this is the process of manifestation. This is why the diet culture doesn't work. Because if you are in the diet culture of when I am here, then I will be happy. When I'm at X, Y, Z, then I'll be happy. No, you have to accept yourself as you are. Love yourself as you are, then act from a frequency of love. This is going to be the most profound process. We start June 28th. You guys can find the details in the link below. There's a couple of payment plan options, and all of you guys that get the option to join, that, well, sorry, not get the option, all of you that join will receive. Um, Uh, lifetime access because I will be running future rounds Um, and even something that I do in in my practice now is if I'm having a day because we all have a day sometimes um, where you're like oof I'm just not feeling myself as much I literally sit down and spend 10 minutes I'll just look in the mirror I kid you not changes everything everything it's very different from a meditation practice because our eyes are not closed and we're not looking away you can want to look away but I'm going to be guiding you through it. And the guidance I think is so powerful because we're going to be guiding into loving each and every inch and corner of your body, accepting your body, forgiving your body, loving what you've seen, owning your queenness inside of you. It's going to be phenomenal. Phenomenal. So the doors are opening as of this um, podcast being released. The doors are open. You can check out the link below. Um, We won't be running the next round until next year. um, And the price possibly will go up. So um, be the person that jumps in now for this incredible experience. Because it's just going to be transformational. And I really hope that this, you know, my long, deep body love journey that I have shared here has kind of shown you 
like real behind the scenes, real completely and honestly behind the scenes. Um, and also showing you what's possible because I truly believe in the witnessing of ourself. We liberate ourselves. If you've ever done shadow work, right? We face our shadow because once we face it, we're like, oh, it's not that bad. This is the same as the witnessing of ourselves in the mirror, in our body as it is and liberating ourselves into loving ourselves. This program, the devotion is not about losing weight. It's not about changing our body. If you want to do that outside of the program, that's totally fine. But it is about loving what we have right now. And from that deep foundational place, where can we go from then? How can our life amplify from there? Because I can guarantee you from my personal experience and the souls of my life that I've been surrounded by, when you let go of your body hatred and your body shame and liberate yourself into deep love and acceptance of thyself, you literally liberate every part of your life, every part of your life. And some of the things that have helped me so much in this process is, you know, being around Luca, my fiance, and one of my good friends, Becky, both of them, of course, like the universe gifted me them. both of them have no body image shit, like none, there's nothing. I'm like, what? I'm like, I never, those are like the two people that I know in the whole world that have never had body image issues. And especially like Luca, my partner, like he just eats what he wants when he wants. Like it blows my mind. And so, so does my friend Becky. And I've just like, that has been the biggest gift to me. Um, but not everyone will have people around them like that. Not everyone will have that community of support. And that's why it's so important for me to create this in devotion. And so if this has aligned with you and this podcast has helped you or inspired you, and I really hope that it has shown you what is possible because you don't need to live the lifelong struggle of hating your body. You know, one of the things that motivates me so deeply, like I said, is the thinking of becoming a mother. And this incident that happened a few years ago when I was looking at old pictures with my mom and my mom looked back at her 40th wedding anniversary. And keep in mind, my mom has never been fat. Um, I don't even want to use that word because I don't really believe in that word, but she's never been overweight. She's always been tiny. My mom has always been a tiny person. She's fluctuated in her tininess. I think as all of us do as women, she's had five children. You know what I mean? Um, but the first thing that she said to me, looking back at this picture from her 40th wedding anniversary for 30th or 40th, she goes, Oh my God, I was so fat. And I was like, that was one of those moments, you know, when you're almost like hit by a vibrational wave and you're like, damn, when I look back at pictures of my life, I don't want the first thought for me to think is about my weight, especially about her wedding anniversary. I want it to be about the celebration and the joy of what I was feeling then. Right? And so that's one of my biggest motivations. And I love my mom so much. I love her. I love my mom so much. So much. Oh my gosh, I'm emotional. Um, yeah, because of some other things. Um, but... Um, yeah, I just want every woman to feel that level of liberation because I think it's so important for all of us to feel. And so many of us have so much work to do because this world has needs our help. This world needs your, your soul mission. This world needs you living in your light. But if you're letting your body hatred hold you back from that every single day, you can't live in your deep divine light. That is why it's so important to liberate yourself into deep body love. And I would love for you to join me in, in our devotional practice, in our devotion program, so we can guide you into that deep liberation together. If it aligns with you and if it doesn't, that is okay. But if this has helped you in some way, shape, or form, please share with me or share on social media. Know that I love you. I am proud of you. You are amazing. And just thank you for listening to my story.
and to really be here and, and to understand the importance of part of my mission. May we liberate ourselves from our bodies, our mind, our souls, so we can live our best life and uplift the consciousness of this planet. I love you all. Have a beautiful day. Welcome to the other side, beautiful souls. I so deeply appreciate you spending this time with me. My intention with this podcast is to uplift, love on, and inspire you and align my actions with this intention. But as with everything in the world of personal and spiritual development, take what feels good for you and leave the rest. As a white, able-bodied, cisgender woman, the perspectives I share here are inherently affected by my privileges. I'm actively invested in learning how to elevate and support lived experiences beyond my own, and I'm always open to and grateful for your feedback. I am listening. No matter who you are, where you're from, or where you're going, I see you, I love you, and you matter. So thank you for listening, beautiful souls, and I'll see you next time.